You are listening to the Data Point podcast, brought to you by The Hindu. I'm your host, Sonika Loganathan. Today, we are taking a look at the results of the recently released National Achievement Survey and what the data tells us about the future of education in India. The National Achievement Survey, or NAS, is a nationwide survey carried out by the Ministry of Education, and it's the largest sample-based education survey conducted in the country. According to the website, the NAS aims to use these findings to provide district, state, and nationwide feedback on learning levels and also educational policy planning to help improve not just the quality of education, but to provide equity in learning. So what happened for the last survey, which was done in November of 2021, is that the National Council of Educational Research and Training, NCERT, developed an assessment framework to help gauge how much students are learning, and it's split up by grades. So 3rd, 5th, 8th, and 10th standard were tested. It covers government and private schools in rural and urban India. So this survey is the most indicative data we've seen about the pandemic's impact on education. Overall, scores dropped since the last survey, which was done in 2017, with students on average scoring less than 60% in every subject except their own language. Maths and science scores particularly took a hit, and southern states that generally perform well, based on data that was previously collected by the Education Ministry's Performance Grading Index 2019-20, you know, those states were now among the worst performing Only Punjab emerged as a major outlier, which scored higher than the national average in all categories. But first, let's get into what happened over the past two years, starting with the School Survey 2021, which was conducted by Rhodes Scholars, a group of freelance scholars and volunteers. Data was collected from nearly 1,400 school children in underprivileged households and showed that prolonged school closures had devastating impacts. I want to bring in Dr. Jean Drez, an Indian development economist whose work has covered issues like hunger, gender inequality, rural employment, and education. He is also one of the economists behind the school survey. Jean, thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Thank you. I want to start with the school survey that you did. So your team collected data from 15 states and union territories and came up with a bunch of different findings. So can you just tell me a little bit about the survey and how you went about conducting it? Right. So this was a survey of about 1,000 households in relatively poor communities in these 15 states. Mm -hmm. Not very poor, but uh, the kinds of uh, people who send their children to government schools. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not much poorer than average, because if you look at, for example, at the smartphone ownership, it was not much below the figure that came out of the ASER survey uh, the previous year. Right, and that's the assessment that's done by the ASER Center. Which was supposed to be a similarly representative survey. So they're not much poorer, but they are poorer parents. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically, we found that in these families, there was very little online learning. uh, In fact, in in the rural areas, as uh, little as 8% of the children were studying online regularly at the the time of the survey. And in fact, many children were not studying at all. Uh, In rural areas, 37% of children were not studying at all at the time of the survey. 
And as a result of that, the learning levels had crashed very badly. I mean, uh, about half of the children in rural areas couldn't read more than a few letters. Mm -hmm. So they had more or less become effectively illiterate. And that's not uh, what you would normally expect, because if you go back to the 2011 census, at that time, uh, literacy rates in the age group of 10 to 14 was above 90% in almost all the states of India. Mm -hmm. So by now, they should be even higher than that, close to 100% or at least 95%. Before the crisis, we were close to full literacy in the younger age groups. But that, that is not the case today anymore at all. So I think when we look at education and the pandemic's impact on education, a lot of the time this digital divide keeps coming up. Yes. Of course, that's part of the problem. Can you speak a little bit to that problem, but also tell us if there's anything else beyond that? You know, is that like the main focus that we should be looking at? So I think it's not just the digital divide. I think it's really the divide between the privileged children and the underprivileged children. I think the real problem is that at every step, education policy is made mainly for the privileged children. Mm -hmm. And that is why, for example, the schools were closed without batting an eyelid for almost two years because the privileged parents had an irrational fear that their children would get infected at school and so they were resisting the opening of schools. And nobody understood that the vast majority of parents actually wanted, they were desperate for the schools to reopen. Right. So that is one aspect. Then the second aspect is this complete reliance on online learning when the schools are closed. Mm -hmm. Again, perfectly fine for well-off families, but of no use to the underprivileged families. Not just because they may not have a smartphone. In fact, many of the families we interviewed had a smartphone. Mm -hmm. But that's just the first step towards online learning. You know, the smartphone has to be with the child at the right time. There has to be money for recharge. Uh, material has to be sent by the schools, which was not the case in, for many of these families. Right. And the child must be able to understand the material. So there are so many obstacles. And that is why the proportion of children who were studying online regularly at the, at the time of the survey was so low. Right. We are seeing the same divide again now when the schools are reopening and very little is being done for the children who have fallen, fallen behind. I think that what the majority of children need today is some kind of revision year before they are promoted as they are being promoted today. But of course, the privileged children will not want that because they are on track. They are more or less on track because they have been studying online during the, the crisis. So at every step, what we see is something that actually goes back to before this crisis, which is that education policy is geared mainly to the privileged children. So I think that's the bigger divide, not just the digital divide. So I want to go back a little bit to your first point that schools are irrationally closed for as long as they were. At that time, there was you know this fear that the kids would go to school, catch COVID, be asymptomatic and bring it back and give it to their family members. So I'm wondering if you think that that claim is as valid as it was made out to be, especially because there weren't vaccines available for children at that time. I don't think that's the main argument that was made, uh, the transmission, you know, that the, the children could be a transmission, transmission agent. I think that came quite late mm -hmm. uh, in the crisis. I think, I think the main argument that was made by the parents, mainly the privileged parents, was that they were scared that their children would get infected when they go mm -hmm. to school. Now, that, I think, was not rational because the risk of infection for children was very low throughout and the public experts were quite clear about that right now the transmission you cannot completely dismiss of course mm -hmm. but even when the schools are closed at least in rural areas the same danger is there right i think in these matters we have to listen to the public health experts and they 
they were quite early on in favor of the schools reopening. We're, nobody is saying that the, that the schools should have remained open at all times. I mean, there are times, for example, the second wave when the Delta variant came and uh, there was a really serious crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but quite soon after that, the public health experts were really in favor of the schools reopening. In fact, there was a report in early September by the Indian Association of Preventive and Social Medicine, which has very, said very clearly this is the time offline classes in all schools and preschool settings should be restarted. Right. And the long-term closure of schools can even have an impact on the way that parents think. If you completely close the schools, mm-hmm. you're giving a very wrong message to the parents that it's fine for your children to stop studying for the time being and we'll, we'll, we'll think about it later. Because, you know, nowadays the, the teachers don't live in the villages anymore. They live in the city. So when you close the schools, the teachers are not in the community. Nothing is being done for the children who are not able to study online. What we were saying is that keep the schools open and try to keep at least some level of educational activity for the offline children. Something can always be done for these children. But to just close the schools, let the teachers go back home and just ask them to forward some some online material by WhatsApp once a week, that's a great injustice. For the and a big part of that also is the fact that there wasn't really any space given for these smaller you know, panchayats and rural governments to make those decisions. The state government certainly had some freedom to do much more than what they have done. And some of them have, like in Tamil Nadu, Karnataka, mm-hmm. but many uh, states and especially the poorer states where the need for action was greater, including Jharkhand where I live, uh, did virtually nothing for these children. So that brings me to uh, one outlier in the NAS, which is Punjab. Punjab did better than they did in 2017 in every single subject. You know, the pandemic was going on in Punjab as well. So how did they manage to pull this off? Your team was on the ground in Punjab as well. So, I mean, it's like a very stark difference compared to the rest of the state. So can you tell us a little bit about what might have happened there and whether the results coming from that state are, you know, to be taken at face value? So I think that we have to take these NAS findings with a pinch of salt. I would say that the findings of the NAS um, report in late 2021 are broadly consistent with what we had found in August 2021 in the school survey, in the sense that they show a decline of learning levels across the board, more or less in all the subjects in all the states and all the classes, and a worse decline in rural areas. And they also show that the crisis was much worse for disadvantaged communities like Dalits and Adivasis. Uh, And on the other hand, that there isn't too much of a gender bias, which we had also found. So in in that sense, I would say there's a broad consistency. Uh, but the but the decline in learning levels that we found was much worse than what is reflected in the NES survey. And uh, I think there is a question about the reliability of the NES figures. In uh, some schools of Jharkhand recently, I asked for the uh, school test records, and I was shocked to find that these records were clearly almost 100% fabricated. Wow. I, I don't think these were NAS tests. It's qu- quite possible that the NAS, NAS tests are better monitored. But if the school tests are fabricated, then one wonders how reliable the NAS tests are. But now, you are asking about Punjab. I don't have any direct experience of Punjab. At the time of our survey, as it happens, Punjab was the 
only state where the schools were open. This was in August 2021. Okay. So it's quite possible that Punjab did a lot more than many other states. That's one possible explanation. And otherwise, it's possible that this is just a kind of accident of the survey because it's not such a large survey right. that you should uh, necessarily look at the findings at a very uh, fine-grained level. Right, right. So another thing that we noticed, which I guess isn't too much of a surprise, but is that SCST communities fared a lot worse than other demographics. And of course, we know that these communities are already, you know, they don't have as many opportunities as other people and they have biases against them. But I'm wondering why we haven't seen a sort of equal impact caused by the pandemic on all communities, because the drop that they saw in their learning outcomes was significantly greater than, you know, yes. if you just take rural communities as one well, yes. section. And, I mean, in our survey, we found that in every respect, the uh, situation of SCSTs was worse than average. Uh, for example, they had fewer smartphones, they had fewer opportunities to send their children to private tuition because they were poorer. Uh, they had fewer abilities to teach their children at home because the parents themselves were often not well educated. So it's clear that in every respect they are disadvantaged mm -hmm. and therefore they suffered more in this crisis. But as I said earlier, the policy tends to be made for the privileged families. So these uh, Dalit and Adivasi communities didn't really have a chance to convey their situation and uh, demand different kinds of measures to deal with this crisis. Taking all of this, the findings of your survey and the NAS, obviously learning levels have taken a major hit, but was there anything that could have been done by the government to minimize these effects? Certainly, uh, I mean, well, the schools should not have been closed for so long. Uh, and I think there was, no re mm -hmm. there was no justification for that in retrospect. In Jharkhand, at least, I can tell you for a fact that nothing was done for these children. There was 100% reliance on online learning and a pretense was made that uh, online learning was serving the purpose. At the very time of the release of our report, the day after, the Prime Minister made a statement in public uh, praising online learning for having saved the day during this crisis. Online classes, group video call, online projects, online exam. Pehle aise sabda bhi bahut logon ne sunai nahi the. लेकिन हमारे टीचर्स ने पेरेंट्स ने हमारे युवाओं ने इन्हें सहजता से दैनिक जीवन का हिस्सा बना दिया नाउ ही मस्ट बी कंप्लीटली आउट ऑफ टच बट दैट्स द इंप्रेशन दैट वाज क्रिएटेड यू आर अ डेवलपमेंट इकोनॉमिस्ट स्पेसिफिकली आई मीन व्हाट डू यू थिंक द इंपैक्ट विल बी ऑफ दीस लर्निंग लॉसेस ऑन द वे दैट इंडिया डेवलप्स बिकॉज़ इट मेक्स मी थिंक लाइक यू नो व्हेन वी थिंक अबाउट kids in war zones that's like a generational educational loss it's kind of similar with the covid pandemic as well they've lost so much time and right. there's so much groundwork to be made up what right. could be the longer term impacts of this well i think for the children concerned i mean their entire life is going to be ruined mm -hmm. because now we have all these children in in so many schools who are basically unable to keep up with the curriculum right uh, recently i visited three primary schools in West Singbhum district in Jharkhand and in none of the schools was a single child able to read or write even just a few words but nothing was being done to there was no special measures when we were when we were asking the teachers you know is there any special action being undertaken for, for these children they couldn't really explain what was happening they were, they were just trying to continue business as usual 
So basically, these children are going to become de facto dropouts. Mm-hmm. They may continue being nominally enrolled for some time, but without learning anything. Mm-hmm. You know, in, norm, in normal times, at least there's some peer learning. The older children, the old, older children teach something to the younger younger children. But now, even that's not possible in those schools because even the younger children are not able to read and write. So basically, they are going to be de facto dropouts, and then they are going to have to join the labor force at an early age, with virtually no education and no skills that the market rewards. So their entire life, whether you look at their earnings, whether you look at their education, their health, their ability to participate in society, all this is going to be affected. Mm -hmm. So I think the big loss is for these children. And of course, ultimately, it's also a loss for the society as a whole, because it means that the country uh, will not develop as fast as it could otherwise. So I have to ask, based off of your research and what you've been seeing on the ground, Is this an issue that people have been talking about? Because I know there's been a lot of discussion on the digital divide, but obviously now we see that most students in India don't even qualify to be a part of that discussion. So I think the most shocking aspect of this entire experience is that the crisis was ignored for so long Mm -hmm. and that there was so little discussion of the predicament of poor children until very late in the day. I mean, before the school survey report came in early September, uh, there was virtually no awareness, at least until July, August uh, 2021, of this whole crisis and very d- little concern. And even today, actually, we see very little discussion very, and very little attention being paid to this education crisis. And once again, I think this reflects the fact that it's a crisis that affects mainly the poorer children. And they are basically, they don't really count very much in public policy. So I think uh, this is very important to understand, not just from the point of view of education, but also as a symbol and a reminder of how disempowered uh, poor people are in India's democracy. Now, as a case study, let's take a look at Tamil Nadu, one of the states that usually performs well in these kinds of educational performance surveys. I want to bring in S. Purvaja, who covers the school education beat for the Hindu and is based in Chennai. Purvaja, let's just get right into it. So Tamil Nadu was one of the worst performing states in the NAS, and we saw a drop of 40 and 50 points in some categories. In the 2019 to 2020 performance grading index, Tamil Nadu was one of the best performing states. Talk us through, you know, what happened during the pandemic a little bit. Yeah, Sonika. So firstly, in Tamil Nadu, the NAS survey was conducted only 22 districts. In November, there were a lot of uh, districts, including Chennai, actually, which, you know, had rain-related emergencies. And there were a lot of issues concerning the pandemic at that time. Some schools weren't open. The sample was, I think, definitely limited to these districts. Mm -hmm. You know, in class 10, there was a decline of about 40 marks in math, for instance. And science saw a decline of almost 52 marks. A subject that improved was English, but uh, the survey also indicated that English saw an, a national improvement. And what about class 3 students? They were tested for language, math, and environmental science, right? Majority of the students remained in the below basic and basic level. And what about for class 5? Students were at the below basic and basic levels again, and the scores were, for both 3 and 5, the scores were marginally below the national average. And also class 8, where they were tested for language, math, science, and social science? 
again the scores were below the national average the only subject that saw a bit of an improvement and was above the national average was class 10 english and how many students in tamil nadu had access to a digital device during this time so we saw that you know the nas survey shows how 77% of class 8 students in tamil nadu did not have a digital device now this came at a time when most schools were only relying on you know online classes or trying to contact students through whatsapp groups you know things like that similarly almost 41% of your class 3 students did not have di- digital devices for senior classes you can to some extent not have live classes or online classes you can rely on probably forming a whatsapp group with the parents and sharing worksheets and you know telling them what to do you cannot do this for primary students right so how do these students learn um how is there any you know form of continuity possible when schools are completely shut even when schools reopened for a bit it was only for senior students so obviously there's so many different issues at play here so many different things affecting the students and just the mental trauma of having to go through something like this to go through a pandemic during your you know the years that you're thinking that you're going to have fun with your friends at school so was anything implemented that would ease the process for not just students but even teachers so you know now that you mentioned the trauma of students having to go through this pandemic uh, something very interesting about the survey was that they had also asked students you know how anxious and how if they faced fear during the pandemic and the number of class 8 students who said that you know they were anxious and you know scared were i think the highest in tamil nadu among you know class 3 5 8 and 10 94% of the students who had surveyed said that they had concerns and um, the government here it was a learning process for them as well the government already had a kalvi um, tv in place uh, a tv channel exclusively to air you know content prepared by the school education department mm-hmm. now this um, was really channeled during the pandemic it took a few months but when they realized that there was no way that schools especially for lower classes were reopening anytime soon they began broadcasting lessons so they were basically putting school on tv right like how did they do that this was done very systematically they got teachers to record videos based on the state board syllabus of tamil nadu so this was aimed at students who do not have an access to a digital uh, device who can't you know get in touch with their teachers and you know who can't who can't in any other way learn when schools are shut uh though i have to say here that we aren't sure how many students were watching you know teachers right. had raised concerns during the pandemic saying you know all this is there but we aren't sure if there they are you know watching if they are learning kalvi tv as well we could see through the uh, through the pandemic was trying to reach out and engage with the students more for instance they introduced a segment where students could call or could send in their doubts based on the video lessons and they had an expert uh, speaking about it for for students um, who have a hearing impairment they introduced lessons with a sign language instructor so they did things like this to make it more interactive to reach out to students more but nothing ever you know replaces being in a physical class you know having in person classrooms right. and meeting with your teachers were these classes available throughout the pandemic or was it implemented a little bit later i think it started about um 3 or 4 months after march the first lockdown 
and it it went on throughout the pandemic you know till schools reopened in fact it continued even after that so the tamil nadu government already had a scheme in place where senior students were given laptops and they'd be able to attend their classes easier you know assuming that they had internet connectivity and data and things like that but i mean doing that on such a large scale for all students seems like a bit of a challenge did anyone else step in to help maybe with this problem there were a lot of these smaller initiatives going on but nothing uniform and it it would have been very hard as well given the number of students we have in in these schools so as of right now the tamil nadu government has launched these classes called the ilam thedi kalvi classes so can you tell us a little bit more about that tamil nadu has been a pioneering state with regard to you know addressing learning gaps the first scheme that they introduced for this was ilam thedi kalvi we were the first you know state in the country to announce a scheme like this so ilam thedi kalvi is a volunteer led initiative that um works as an after school program so you know primary and middle school students for them uh, ilam thedi kalvi works as a also as a community based initiative so we have volunteers the tamil nadu government asked for volunteers to sign up for this and these volunteers go to the community and it is it is at every locality at every you know a uh, small habitation there is an ilam thedi kalvi center that's been identified which which can be your local community hall which can be a classroom in the school there these volunteers take classes in the evening now these classes aren't like your usual um class in the school these uh volunteers uh take you know an hour or two after school it's based on your syllabus but there are stories there are songs so it's like a fun tuition class sort of it is something like that you know where they have interactive sessions dealing with the basics now to measure the outcome of this program a baseline survey was also initiated um a month ago and the findings of which we will learn about shortly but it it is a very well thought out program and since this program is volunteer based how is that going it had so many volunteers come forward at work with the students has been great The second very very ambitious project that the Tamil Nadu government has launched is called the Ennumerthum Mission which aims at addressing the learning gap caused by the pandemic among primary school students specifically mm-hmm. and they are working on ensuring foundational literacy and numeracy the chief minister when he launched this program very interestingly said you know he recognizes the need to go beyond the classroom so Ennumerthum Mission you know has workbooks for students completely based on you know uh, basic concepts basic alphabets vocabulary numbers arithmetic everything and it also aims at transforming classrooms you know they have um, they have a story corner they have they have art they have craft all of this will be integrated into classes 1 2 and 3 so on one hand we of course have the learning losses that students have faced and now have to deal with but on the other hand there's also this huge mental challenge i think that all these students have to overcome they've faced so much over the past 2 years and now they suddenly have to go back to school so is there anything being done to help them in that regard 
Absolutely. So this year, actually, there are a lot of changes that have been introduced to the academic year to the regular, you know, eight period system that we have. The school education department has come out with a very different plan from what we've seen of the timetable that, you know, they've conceived. There's a lot of emphasis on extracurricular activities, on co-curricular activities. They want to bring back clubs, arts, dance, music. It's almost as if they want to remind children that, you know, school is fun and want, want to make them more motivated and happy to be back. As a part of these efforts, they have also set aside an hour every week for, you know, mental health, where students, you know, the teachers handling those classes, like their class teachers, are being introduced to talk to the students. It's called an experience sharing session. It's basically to engage with the students beyond your lessons every day, which I think is a great initiative if done right. And if, you know, teachers here, I, I strongly feel that teachers here should be, you know, made aware of how they can also help the students beyond, you know, talking to them in this hour, you know, refer them to a psychologist, a mental health professional that, you know, they can go to, they can refer to the students. All right. So Tamil Nadu is clearly doing a lot to make up for the losses that its students have faced. But I wonder what you think and what the teachers and students that you've spoken to think is going to be the biggest challenge moving forward. And as we adapt to this new normal so you know we had the tamil nadu board exam results just come out yeah. you know a few days ago so tamil nadu saw a dip in its class 10 results but a marginal increase in its class 12 results teachers were a bit surprised because we always see a bit of an increase in class 10 but there's something interesting that a teacher told me he said that you know this was something that most teachers were saying ever since schools you know reopened finally after the second wave they said that, you know, the motivation to come and study, to come and learn is something that they all struggled to, you know, bring back in students to just for them to just come back to school was a was a huge change. We heard of several, several stories where, you know, there were um, students who had, you know, gone to work there, you know, in the in one year because their parents income had taken a hit they had to support their families they had to work in that period you know it's a big deal for all those kids to come back to school and get into the mode of having to learn again so this was a challenge that a lot of teachers faced now Tamil Nadu also had a lot of dropouts but the uh, Samagra Siksha had a plan in place you know, to trace all these dropouts and bring them back. It's an ongoing effort. Now, how do you get a lot of these students to get into the mindset of, oh, I have a board exam at the end of the year or, oh, I just need to listen in school. This was a huge challenge that teachers were constantly saying they faced. And even this drop in 10 standard marks, a teacher, you know, who I had spoken to attributed it to how tough it was to stu for students to come back to school in the first place. And, you know, to expect them to magically take to the books is not going to happen. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. This is something that teachers as well are focusing on, which I see even reflected in all the things that, you know, the school education department is trying to do to make learning and school seem fun again, to remind them that, you know, school used to be a fun place. There is a bit of normalcy. At the same time, you know, teachers also feel that the focus on exams needs to, you know, stop a bit because yeah. there's, 
you know the learning loss over the last two years is way beyond exams it should be based on making up for you know a lot of what they've lost and not just on exams for younger students it should you know the focus is i feel going to be on the basics as we've seen with you know initiatives being introduced like enumeratum and of course on building confidence this is for students across all age groups now let's zoom out a little bit and take a look at this issue from a wider angle does something fundamentally need to change about our education system and can we ever really go back to the way that things were before i want to bring in dr disha navani professor and dean at the school of education at the tata institute of social sciences in mumbai to discuss just that disha thank you so much for joining us thank you sonika thank you for inviting me so to start off this survey is obviously about measuring learning outcomes but i want to know what you think about learning outcomes and whether that's something that we should really be this focused on i'm not really comfortable with the term learning outcomes because this defines learning in a way which is very narrow constricted something which is visible quantifiable measurable whether it gives an idea of the state of education in the country uh it's indicative that's quite obvious that learning of children would have got impacted right but my understanding is that this is always been the case so if not through learning outcomes how should we be thinking about education so learning outcomes is largely in relation to foundational skills of literacy and numeracy right mm-hmm. but learning is much more uh, what happens is that assessment defines the learning and assessment largely focuses on what children don't know rather than what children know and that that becomes your framework for defining learning so that's the problem if you're looking at learning in terms of content information then you can perhaps say that okay they've lost out on so much mm-hmm. you know right but right. learning is much more right learning is making sense of the world around you learning is making sense of connections around you and what if you heard about the way that children are feeling about going back to school and you know the ways in which their education has been impacted i was talking to a friend who works in um, Uh, Rajasthan, Bihar, and other states, and few other states. Mm-hmm. He was saying that children were discussing on them. Why don't they? Why don't you feel like coming to school? And the child said, "Basis like that school, Jana. You feel insulted. You feel humiliated. You go to school. Why would you want to go to school? And not just about what you right. don't know in terms of foundational skills, but also the way you dress, the way you behave, the way you everything, the way you eat. So first thing I think what we need to do is make ch- children want to come back to school. Right. Yeah, and if the moment even before coming to school you start taking the test and you label them as being weak, then what kind of a impact will it have? I also want to ask, you know, when states are kind of pressured to perform well in these tests, do teachers end up focusing more on, you know, the specific content of this standardized test over what they would have otherwise prepared in their syllabus? I ask this because there was a report in the tribune about teachers in punjab which was the state that did the best in the nas where teachers said they were being overworked and the survey was used as a tool to quote sideline classroom learning unquote so this tendency also of teachers teaching to the test has also been an old problem if you are evaluating the teacher's performance based on how her children perform then mm-hmm. and there's a prescribed con- content uh, then obviously teacher will teach to the test it also has to be seen how we're looking at teachers in this whole process yeah that's so true and as far as you know teaching 
online and teaching during this pandemic goes, we found that data from the Unified District Information System for Education showed that 75% of teachers weren't adequately trained to teach online in the first place. Everything else has changed. The world the world has changed. They've gone through grief, maybe death in the family or disease, this and the unemployment, joblessness, migration. But this you want, this is intact. Right. Uh, what sense does it make? I'd much rather that you sometimes you don't, just don't assess, do your job well and don't assess, at least for some time. Let children be comfortable with the schools, let them want to come back, hear them, listen to what they have to say, talk to them, address their queries. And so we'll have to change the way we think also about learning, about curriculum, schooling, how we look at the world. What does it really mean to learn? Asking questions, is that not learning? Or having a certain perspective to a problem, is that not learning? Or even or only giving correct answers to, to certain standardized questions, is that learning? That's it for this week's episode, but I'll be back soon to break down the next big data story. This podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for The Data Point by The Hindu. Thanks for listening.